0: This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Gosh. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital.
3: Bustin' Loose Baseball, Episode 2. Grant Paulson, Danny Rouye with you. Producer Darius has a previous obligation. He will be back at it with us very, very soon. Who knows? Maybe he'll waddle through the door. While we're talking. Hard to say.
1: Hard to say at this point, but we were getting ready to start the show, and he was like, I got to go. And we were like,
3: okay, Grant, and I'll do it. He said, kick rocks, you two fatos. I don't like you. Uh, Here's the deal. Today, we got a great guest. We're really excited about Cole Henry, who is one of the top pitching prospects for the Nationals. Cole Henry's been my guy since he was at LSU before the draft. Uh, He is a strike thrower, and he's a guy who... You're going to earn it when you face him. He's got a .570 ERA, 20 strikeouts and 15 innings in his first five minor league starts. The one knock has been health. The one issue has been keeping him on the grass. They had to shut him down last year. But he's 22 years old. He's in A. He's having the best year of any arm in the minors so far for the Nationals, he's, even though they're treating him with kid gloves. They're basically giving him like three innings at a time here to keep him healthy. But if he gets to the major league rotation in the next Year or so on the calendar, I, I think he's going to be a, a number two, number three type starter for them. So I'm pumped to talk to him. He told some great stories about his time in the minor leagues and, and basically outed a few of his buddies for some embarrassing moments.
1: It's super funny stuff. Nothing, nothing inflammatory. Nothing that's going to get anybody into trouble. But uh, you know, maybe a, a ribbing or two on a bus trip coming up. But uh, it, it, an intriguing prospect. Not a guy that was a headliner to kind of start a couple years ago, but had a great college career playing major D1 college ball at LSU and has a you know. All he's done is ripped through the minor leagues at this point. He's been close to unhittable. You kind of mentioned some of those stats. There's no one pitch that I don't think that's so unbelievably dominant that he pitches off of. But the mix is there: solid fastball, curveball, changeup combination. Uh, I, I love the way he described how his stuff is and, and goes and the challenge it poses to hitters. Think of Max Scherzer, right? I've, I've said that saying Cole Henry's Max Scherzer, but think of Max Scherzer. Every pitch looks the exact same out of his hand. Clinton Kershaw has the same ability. There's some guys that you could tell a bit sooner. Their stuff is nasty.
3: You're trying to tunnel those pitches. As a hitter, the guys that you can pick up and see and that you rake on... The fastball, the slider, the change, it's all coming from a different place or arm yeah. speeds.
1: You can pick it up whether you know it or not. You can see the wrap on some guy's curveball where their arm is turned to the side and their fingers are on top. You can see the push sometimes on a changeup if it's back in the hand. You can't with him, and the hitters tell you that, right? There's a It's an uncomfortable at bat against Cole Hendrick,
3: an exciting prospect. It's one thing if you're in a low level of A ball like at Fredericksburg or you're at A-plus ball or something in Wilmington as a former college star in the SEC and you're just shoving it up people's you-know-what.
1: Yeah, you're beating 18-year-olds, you're beating exactly. you know, kids from all over the world. When yeah. you
3: do it in A, you can do it in the big leagues. Now, it, it's not a one-to-one, obviously, but it means you've got the stuff, you've got the ability. Now it's about honing it in and being consistent. So we will talk with him on this pod today. Uh, for the record, this is going to be a prospect-heavy podcast in the future, to be honest. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about the Nationals and the big leagues, but as often as possible, we're going to catch up with their top players, their household names and the minors talk to people in the organization about some of those players because that's the mode we're in now as Nats fans. I mean, there was a decade or so where the getting was good and we were watching big league games and they were winning two out of every three or so and they were making the playoffs and winning NLE's titles or being a tough out as a wild card team. But the rebuild is on, as we're seeing at the big league level. They're now losing two-thirds of their games. And so you kind of turn your attention back to some of the prospects Just a quick update as far as the top of the board. I mentioned Cole Henry on the show today. He's number three on MLB Pipeline's rankings behind Cade Cavalli and Brady House and right ahead of Jackson Rutledge. As far as the season so far, Cade Cavalli, who's the top prospect, almost made the rotation, if not for a blow-up start at the end of spring training, hasn't gone as well as you'd like in Rochester. It's been up and down with with some pretty dramatic downs this season. In no way am I down on him. In no way am I worried about him. The stuff's really good. But he's walked 11 and 22 innings. That's four and a half per nine. That's too many. He's given up about a hit per inning, which is where you'd like to be as a really good starter. But his average against is 260. This is after last year it was 213. Uh, so he's being tested. He, he's struggling a little bit, and we're going to see how you come out of this. I, I love when this happens in the minor leagues, frankly, because you learn a lesson and you have to adjust, and it's better to do that in the minors with a couple thousand people watching and no one watching on TV than in front of 30,000 people in the crowd and, and tens of thousands of people watching at home. But so far this year, just the 19 Ks and 22 innings, just kind of a, a very normal uh, minor league performance, not, oh my gosh, this guy's leading the minor leagues in every category. So uh, not to start, I'm sure he would have wanted, but I like that this is happening now because I think he comes out of this, starts pitching well, and maybe in you know four to six weeks, you call him up on the other side of this.
1: I, I love what you said there. It's it is good. A it's good that it's happening now because this game will humble you. No matter if you're the one of the greats of all time, uh, no matter if you're you know a a guy trying to crack a big league roster, or you're down in single A or rookie ball, or you know a a midweek, once a week high school player, the game will find a way to make you look bad at at certain points. And the lessons there are always these forks in the road. There are always moments in everybody's career where you experience that adversity, and your adjustment, you're getting over that, is paramount to you sticking in the big leagues to you becoming an all-star to you you know fulfilling the type of promise that you may have and right now is going through that I mean it, last year this is a guy that led the minor leagues with 175 strikeouts and 123 in a third innings that's not happening this year and I love what you said about it it maybe slows down the the the, the race the clock on certain guys Mike Grizzle likes to say this all the time that it isn't a race in terms of your development in your career everybody's got their own clock and their own pace and You know some of these guys, the Juan Sotos of the world, the Bryce Harper's of the world. The you know I'm trying to think of a of a good 19 20 year old pitcher that's walked right in the major leagues and had success. Those guys kind of spoil the eye line. This is far more typical. You know a guy that's in his mid 20s coming up finally cracking the big league roster. The the idea of a 20 year old, the Ronald Acuñas, the the Juan Sotos stepping in and, and being all stars. That's great and it's awesome and you you celebrate that but it also kind of ruins it for everybody else like is Brady House a disappointment if he's not hitting third in a major league lineup by the, by the time he's 19 years old of course not that's not the way these things normally go and Kate Cavalli still is a guy that has a very bright future fastball touches 100 usually sits 96 97 he will get outs at the major league level I thought he was going to be up back in spring training I thought he'd be up maybe in June I think that timeline may be pushed back a little bit because of what he's going through now. And they're probably going, nice, we're glad he's kind of going through this. Let him overcome this and be that much more ready for big league uh, service time.
3: He's 23 years old. He's 6'4 and 240. He was the 22nd pick in the 2020 draft less than two years ago, right? So, I mean, Reed Detmers was in that draft through a Mm no-hitter last night for the LA Angels. But as a general rule, when you're drafted in 20, you're not in the big leagues yet in 2022, two years later. As far as the stuff goes, some of you saw him in spring training. Danny mentioned it. He's 96-97 with his heater. He was the one guy that touched 100 miles an hour three times at the Futures game last year, more than anybody else. Hardest thrower in that game with all the top prospects in the building, and I was there watching him, and it was uh, you know really, really impressive and cool uh, to take in. But he's got the size. He's got the velocity. He's got a mid-80s curveball that's really good, an upper 80s slider. Uh, he's got some sink on his changeup that gets swings and misses in the upper 80s as well. As far as scouting grades on those pitches go, I mean, MLB Pipelines got him, and, and twenty eighty is what we'll use on this show. 50's average. 60 is above average. 70 is considered plus or elite. 80 is considered top of the charts. The other direction, 20 is horrendous. Uh, 30 means you're really bad at it, whatever that tool is. 40 is below average. And, uh, you know, 45 is, is fringe average, and then 50 would be average. But his fastball is considered 70. His curveball is 60. His slider is 60. His change is 55. Uh, The the one thing he's got to keep working on is the control. The control, Because that's the one non-average or better big league graded part of the makeup, according to MLB Pipeline right now. But he's got a really good chance, obviously, to not only be in the rotation this year, but to be a horse in the front of this rotation for years to come. Brady House, who's unequivocally the best bat in the system, is in Fredericksburg. Uh, He's got an undisclosed injury right now. Still haven't really gotten any details on what's going on. But he's been out for a little over a week and a half and uh, we're waiting on him to come back. He got off to a great start. He was the 11th pick in the draft last year, last summer, uh, during All-Star Weekend for the Nationals, just outside of the top 10. Shouldn't have been available and was, kind of fell into their lap. This guy's got massive power, you know, decent hit tool. He's going to be a 280-type hitter with a bunch of home runs. Played shortstop as an amateur, has played shortstop so far. They're, they haven't moved him off the position. I think ultimately, just as he fills out and gets bigger, He's 6'4 in and, and about 215 to a, 210, depending on you know when you're at a game and, and what he ate that day. But that's the frame that often moves to third. Not to mention you got that kind of power. You're gonna have that type of presence at the plate. You now I could totally see him going to third. He's got a big time arm. arm yeah. He threw ninety-six <laughs> off a of mound at one point. So I mean his arm is graded out as a, as a sixty tool. In fact, I was talking about the the grades a minute ago from Pipeline on Cavalli. They've got him as sixty power. 60 arm, and everything else is 50 or better. So you can make the case he's kind of a five-tool type player. But the start he got off to was exhilarating. He was hitting 330 with a 400 on base and a 450 slug. He had an 850 OPS early this season. He was tearing the cover off the ball. and he's probably due for a promotion to A-plus as an 18-year-old you know, right around when he got hurt. so it's I'm waiting to hear what it is. Hopefully mm-hmm. he's back on the field by the time people are listening to this in the next day or two. But uh, for the time being, we're just kind of trying to figure out what's going on with him.
1: So at the plate, obviously, slightly different body. You kind of touched on it. I think long-term, he's a third baseman. Um, But at the plate, his actions remind me a lot of Ian Desmond. Very upright, very athletic, Quick as all heck in there, and there's going to be some swing and miss. There'll be some slump in his game, but the power is light tower stuff. He can really drive the ball when he squares it up, and he tries to simplify. And uh, you know that would be kind of a win, I would say. Not even kind of that'd be a win for the Nationals if you get that kind of offensive profile that Desmond provided uh, coming up to the major leagues. Doesn't run as well as Desmond did, um, but similar tools otherwise in terms of the arm and and, and the pop uh, that he shows at the plate, just in terms of his actions. But I'm with you. I, I think long term third baseman, um, but. It's interesting. They're keeping him at short now. I think to kind of continue to build quicks, build athleticism, and and sort of enhance and hone those tools. There's no rush to move him over. It's easier to convert from short to third. Um, you know, I, I did that at the amateur level, obviously in in college, than to go the other way. So they're kind of letting him. Be the captain of the infield, letting him be the big dog at the the lower levels until maybe a a position switch down the line. But, uh, yeah, an intriguing dude at the size, man. 6'4", 215, he's on the the all-get-off-the-bus team. It it looks exactly right when he steps out there. He looks like a man among those kids.
3: So we mentioned Brady House was their first rounder in 2021, right? And you had Cade Cavalli was their first rounder in twenty. Their second rounder right after him at LSU was Cole Henry, who's on the pod today, who I love. Their first rounder in 2019 was Jackson Rutledge, and and kudos to the Nats at least hitting on some of these first rounders or giving themselves a chance to. Those are the top four prospects in the system at this moment, according to uh, MLB's rankings. But Rutledge is 23 now. Now, he's been the guy that I would say of the bunch, based on health and stuff, has been disappointing. They still are very high on him. I think he's going to be a reliever. I think he throws gas, and he's got a really good slider. I'm not sure how much else is there. He's, In the sense that Josiah Gray is fastball, curveball, slider with barely a changeup. Mm-hmm. Like That's more of what uh, Rutledge is, but it's not as good. and It's not as refined, I should say. Good's the wrong word. But it. it so I, I don't know that I even like the comp to Gray other than just those are the, the three primary pitches or best pitches. Um, but at 23, he didn't start the year healthy, and he wasn't on the field until this week. He actually, about a week ago today, made his first start For Fredericksburg, he pitched three innings and gave up like seven hits and five run runs. He got victimized by a homer. So he's only thrown the one time this season. um, But he was a junior college arm. If you haven't seen him, this guy's massive. He's 6'8", dude. He's 250 pounds. I mean, it's hard, I think, to repeat the delivery sometimes at that size. You think about some of the biggest guys. The Nats one time had a, a guy named Alex Meyer. Where they traded one, for? Yeah. I was thinking fan. John
1: Rauch, but same thing. Yeah,
3: Rauch, I mean, you could rattle off a bunch of guys that are 6'8", 6'9". Yeah, Jeff Neiman back in the day from the Rays. But I'm just thinking about specifically like guys at that size who mm-hmm. sometimes had a hard time repeating the delivery. So I think he ends up, honestly, in the pen. Um, but there's no reason to do that now. I mean, he's 24 appearances in the minors. 2019, 20, 21, obviously 20, he was shut down like everyone else. No minor league games because of COVID. And then the start this year, they've all been in the rotation. They're going to give him a chance to, to try to lengthen that repertoire. There's no reason to rush this guy. Maybe he gets a cup of coffee at the end of the year, blowing gas out of the pen, and is competing in the spring. Best-case scenario, though, I would say, Danny, is that you fast-forward a few years from now, and you've, if it works out, as unrealistic as it is, you've got Josiah Gray in the rotation with Cavalli at the front, with Cole Henry somewhere in there in the middle, with Josiah with, uh, and possibly Jackson Rutledge and and if you know Corbin is either still on the team or Strasburg like one of those guys mm-hmm. maybe assign one player and all of a sudden you're you're in pretty good shape in your rotation with a homegrown rotation yeah. maybe join Adon you know who's flashed yeah he's just 22 he's in the major leagues he's shown some decent things so they've got the at least a starter kit to getting where they need to go now you need Cavali Henry, Rutledge, you need those guys to develop.
1: Yeah, the core of of what this Nats run was was homegrown stuff, and then they'd supplement it with, I don't know, guys like uh, Patrick Corbin or some dude named Max Scherzer, uh, who really enhanced that rotation. But yeah, that that certainly is the plan. I I think, and listen, this isn't exclusive to the Nationals. This isn't exclusive to Jackson Rutledge. But I think 2020, him being shut down was really extra bad for him, right? Everyone had to deal with it, and those that weird year, that alternate site stuff, because we lost that year of development for a guy that really needed some some innings and experience, given his college career where he started Arkansas, then transferred to a junior college, uh, was dominant there and just showed all kinds of stuff, which is why the Nats drafted him in the uh, right right in the middle of the first round, but. Not having 2020 and then 21 being shoulder, blister, a million things, instead of 100-plus innings of the ups and the downs and getting the ball every fifth day and all the rehab and all the normal stuff, uh, excuse me, the, the work in between starts, limited to only 36 innings in 2021. So his development has really slowed down. So he's an A-ball at 23 years old. He's older than uh, Cavalli, I think, and, and Brady House and Cole Henry, these other guys. So again, there's no race. It's not a clock, but you kind of look up and you go – if, last, if 2020 was normal, if 2021 was normal, he'd probably be in AAA right now, knocking on the door of the major leagues, but he's not. has a lot of refining to do. You touched on it. Somebody that big, anybody, really, it, it, one of the hardest things to do is to repeat that delivery. But especially when you're an octopus walking on land, 6'8", and massive as he is, honing that skill set and finding a, a consistent third pitch for him to be a starter... I see him profiling out of the bullpen as well. Rear and back max effort can probably touch a hundred, and he's reaching out and walking it to the plate with arms that long, you know, at six foot eight, and that slider's a wipeout pitch in the mid eighties.
3: So we'll get into other factors, other players in the system as we go here over the coming days and weeks on the show, but that's kind of a, a look at some of the big boys who were drafted first or in Henry's case, second round over the last three years and how they're faring. Uh, let's talk. About the Major League Club for just a second before we get to our Cole Henry interview. Uh, First things first, Patrick Corbin, for the third consecutive start, was actually solid. Pretty good. And I'm not ready to say he's turned a corner, but Davey Martinez has claimed that he's back. His slider velocity, which you and I have monitored really closely over the last couple years, has recovered some. I mean, he's throwing the slider harder. This was a big factor in a lot of people's minds analytically for what happened uh, to him over the last couple of years. His last three starts, Danny, 19 innings, just five earned runs, a 2.37 ERA. His fielding independent pitching, so you know, what his ERA should be based on taking some uh, metrics out of the equation, like what he controls, is 2.5. So it means authentically he's actually been a mid-twos earned run average pitcher over these last three starts. Almost a strikeout per inning, 16 Ks in the 19 innings, and just 16 hits. And this is a guy who's given up more hits pretty much over the last two-plus years than anyone in baseball. And his average against over these three starts has been 216. So I actually had one of my guys who's a big stats guy look this up. And he told me, uh, based on I said, hey, find me the last time Corbin's gone three starts like this with an ERA of 237 throwing the way that he has. I said, I bet you it's been since 2019. Well, sure enough. June 26th to July 7th, before the All-Star break, good Patrick Corbin of 2019 on the World Series here, his first year in Washington, was the last time he had three starts this effective. He didn't do it wow. in 20, didn't do it in 21, and obviously hadn't done it early this season. So in his career, he did it twice in 19, he did it three times in 18, and then he hadn't done it before all the way back to 2015. So I'm not ready to claim victory on Patrick Corbin yet, But this is a really good sign that it's three in a row, which he hadn't been able to do.
1: That's the right way to put it, I think. I'm cautiously opening up the door thinking maybe it has stopped raining for, for this point. This is massive for them because they're not going anywhere. I really believe that they're not going anywhere without Patrick Corbin getting back to form and Steven Strasburg regaining form over the next couple of seasons. I'm not talking about this year. That's they're not a contender this season. But if you kind of squint, you look at what you're talking about. Guys like Cavalli, Cole Henry, uh, Josiah Gray, Joanna Doan, and then you know you add in some supplemental pieces, you could start to see the winnings of a first or, or the makings of a first division staff. That's not going to happen without these two guys that make an enormous amount of money in Corbin and Strasburg regaining form. Strasburg, health, Corbin being hittable. And these last three starts, he's been pretty damn good in that regard. The strikeout numbers aren't eye-popping, which is kind of what he was known for, bearing that slider. But when it's sharp and effective... Everything works off of that, right? Because you're so afraid of it when it's really biting in that way that that 92-93 plays up to the upper 90s. It just It's an uncomfortable at bat when he's right, and guys haven't been very uncomfortable over the last couple of seasons. So that's a very good sign. You can't have 10 good starts in your last three starts. His last three starts have been good. That's all I'm counting this to, to this point because my sample size of basically a couple calendar years, has been gruesome, to be frank with you. He has not been very good at all. And as you said, the most one of the most hit pitchers in the sport. That hasn't been the case lately. Cautiously optimistic is how I'd phrase it.
3: Yeah, and I would also tell you that the advanced metrics, if I could say that, don't bode well for him right now. Like, I'm a big fan of looking at percentiles and where you rank among your peers baseball savant provides. Everything's blue. And the way they do this is mm. it's it's a it's a sliding scale where if you're above fifty, it's like a tinge of red. And the hotter you get toward one hundredth percentile, best in the league, yeah, it becomes redder and redder and redder. And then as you go down from fifty, it's like a you know, a little like almost like a sky all the way down to like just dark, dark blue. Just like,
1: the blue man group over ex- there. Ex- exactly.
3: Yeah. I'm blue, da 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 And that song is Patrick Corbin on Baseball yep. Savant. So just to give you percentiles of where he ranks among Pitchers, this year in baseball, average exit velocity, 33rd percentile. Hard hit percentage, 21st percentile. X-WOBA, 18th. X-ERA, so expected and run average, 18th. Expected batting average, 12th percentile. Oof. Uh, expected slug, 26th. Barrel percentage, 39th. Uh, strikeout percentage, 34th. Walk percentage, 27th. I mean, you, you just You can't find anything here that's like, oh, that's great. His spin rate on his fastball, 14th percentile. So it doesn't really sustain. You can't throw that at the top of the zone. That was a problem for him. Yes, it was. He's trying to throw at the top of the zone. I'm sure someone in the R&D department said, hey, bro, your spin rate on your fastball is worse than 86 out of every 100 pitchers in the big leagues. You pitching at the top of the zone doesn't help you any. So like all those things are working against him. But that takes into account, it's early in the season, it's a small sample, a lot of the pre-last three start stuff. I'm not saying he's flipped a switch. But this is now worth tracking, worth monitoring, and it gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, I wanted to talk Juan Soto for a second. There's a lot being made about Soto's—I'm using quotes here—but struggles early this year because he's hitting two fifty seven and his OPS is only eight sixty three, which, by the way, a lot of hitters would give their left arm for, and then they never get hit again, I guess, because mm-hmm. you only have one arm. Or, could you hit with one arm? If think Damon hit a home run one time without one arm, like a one arm swing? Yeah, like
1: that. like he reached out and was fooled, but he still got out of there. Yeah. yeah.
3: But could you hit effectively with one arm? No. No. Like, not,
1: not even a little bit. Like, if you made contact, it would be miraculous.
3: So if the bad guy from that Harrison Ford movie,
1: the G-G-G. fugitive,
3: yeah. was in the big leagues, what would his batting average be? Uh, it might it might have one tick in a <laughs> hit column. Okay. Maybe. Like
1: a squibbler, like a Steve Miserak, masse that went between three fielders.
3: So I saw this from Matt Wyrick our buddy from NBC Sports Washington. Mm-hmm. He tweeted this out. I thought this was a great nugget. So he was comparing Soto for 30 games in after last night, uh, which was the Tuesday night game. Tuesday night game against the Mets, yeah. Uh, Against the Mets, first game of the series. He said Soto, this year 257, last year 279, so he is 22 points lower. But he's on base right now, 396, higher than it was 30 games in last year, 392. His slug right now, 468, higher than it was last year at this time, 423. Last year, right now, he had an 815 OPS. This year, he's got an 863. And I would guarantee the big league average OPS has gone down. So it's even more impressive than just jumping from 815 to 863 because I think the average hitters has a lower OPS now. And If you look at the league, point being, he finished the runner-up for NL MVP last year after he started worse, basically, offensively than he started now other than the batting average. He's going to be okay. Everybody relax. If he does this all year, he's still going to be one of the top 20 hitters in the National League. You know, 15, depending on the metrics you're looking at. But he's not going to. He's going to get on a tear. He's going to go 10 for 17 at the plate at some point. Next thing you know, his average is 15 points higher, and he's right where you want him to be, going into another hot stretch. So, I'm not worried. On a 1 to 10 scale, 10 means oh my god, sound the alarms, Juan Soto, what happened? I am a 0.1. Yeah,
1: if I have to be on the scale, I'm a 1, I suppose. But um, Kevin Franzen pointed this out last night on the telecast. It was actually,
3: old Franny. It, hey, buddy, old act, pal.
1: actually the AB were Soto poked that ball through the left side for a, a, for a, you know, a hit against the shift. Um, there was some spinoff there. There's a pitch middle in that when he's right, upper deck, thanks so much. Round the bases, play bust and loose, hit bust and loose baseball. Um, but he spun off. You could see that front shoulder flies out. He's pulling across the plate instead of through. And you'll see him when he takes his you know, his swings in between pitches and all the work he's putting in is on getting through the ball, through the ball, through the ball. And he's coming across the ball right now trying to generate extra pop, whether that's a mental thing, whether that's just sort of a, a bad habit at this stage, whether he's trying to do too much. There's a trillion reasons behind it. It could just be something he's falling into. As soon as he gets locked in, And he reacts to that pitch in and is sitting, letting the ball travel, get deep. I mean, you look at his spray chart right now when it comes to home runs. He's usually 50-50 to the left of center field or to the right of center field. And then, of course, center field's involved there as well. I think he's only got one oppo home run out of his six to the point this year. That's going to change. He's going to sit back and punish people for trying to go uh, onto the outer third against him because he's so good at letting the ball travel in his stance. Right now, he's not. Right now, he's trying to pull things. Right now, he's spinning off. That will absolutely get fixed. He'll get locked in. He's going to be an MVP
3: candidate. One more guy we got to talk about is Nelson Cruz. I'm much more concerned about him, almost solely because of his age, to be honest with you, because I don't really do the early season guys not hitting a lot of ground balls. Like When they have a track record, you're going to get to your baseball card. But he's 41, man. Mm -hmm. He's going to be 42 this season. At some point, you run into that wall, and you got to start wondering— End of last year wasn't great for him. Right. This year's start has been not good. Is his age an issue? Is is this catching up to him? I mean, obviously his sprint speed is you didn't <laughs> sign him for that, right? Right. He's not gonna beat out hits. You gotta barrel him. Now, his barrel percentage is fifty-fourth percentile in baseball. Hard hit percentage, sixty-third percentile, maximum exit velocity, so when he gets a hold of it, he's ninety-second percentile. He can still do What he wants to with the bat, average exit velocity, 56 percentile, a little above average. But it's so many ground balls, some rally-killing, double plays, and weak contact. Uh, I am much more concerned about him. The goal for bringing him in here, obviously, was never to to have him lead you to a World Series this year. It was to get him off to a decent start so you could flip him for something valuable in your system in a trade. And at some point, you got to get him going if you're going to be able to do that. So... You know, time's ticking here. I, I'm I'm a little worried because of uh, that 41-year-old profile.
1: Career low fly ball percentage for a guy that's here to hit fly balls. Career high ground ball percentage outside of a cup of coffee in 2005 is rookie year.
3: And again, those those just, they can't turn into hits for him. Yeah. I mean, unless they grow eyes and they get through, or you hit it hard enough on the ground, like those are outs, man.
1: Yep. Lowest line drive percentage since 2006 for him. I mean, again, this, this is, as you said, a slow start, but now you kind of go, well, wait a minute, second half of last year, Older player, you hope that he hasn't kind of gone off the cliff here and that the, the Nats weren't the, weren't, the, weren't the team that ultimately are holding the bag. I do think he gets right, but I don't know how right. I, he'll, he'll be better. Those numbers will kind of equalize, and he'll start hitting the ball in the air, and the weather gets warmer. Some of those will carry to home runs. But I wonder how much he has. It, it is a fair question, I think.
3: All right, episode two of our brand-new podcast, Bustin' Loose Baseball, continues with interview number two, and the guy we wanted to talk to was Cole Henry. AA pitching prospect with your Nationals.
0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Passion, drive, and patience. Zoom. And we are
3: joined now by Cole Henry, National System, double-A arm, was their second-round pick in 2020. And I've told you, Danny, this is kind of like my guy that I've just like put a flag in the ground on in their system. You're claiming I, Cole Henry. I'm claiming him. Everyone loves Cade Cavalli, throws 100, cool. Pick the guy who throws 100. This is my guy, man. This guy's a stud. He was at LSU. He was their weekend starter well before he was drafted. And if he's healthy, he's going to be a horse for the Nats for a long time. Cole, we're Grant Paulson. We're Danny Ruyeh in D.C., man. How you doing?
4: I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here, and thanks for showing the love.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. So here's what we're looking at here, Danny. Five starts in A this year. Uh-huh. 0.57 ERA. It's a pretty low number. 15 and two-third innings with four hits allowed. I don't know if you're into that kind of thing. I am. Nobody can hit this guy. 20 punchies in 15 innings, four hits allowed. Five strikeouts for every one hit given up. Just casually. It's a pretty good ratio. Kind of dominating double-A baseball. <laughs> Cole, so far so good, man. What do you make of the season to this point?
4: Yeah, man, it's been it's been really fun. Um, you know, obviously the train wheels have been on a little bit this year just because of the injuries and stuff, but uh, I've been feeling great. Um, been on the same page with all of our guys, front office guys and our coaches and all that stuff about – You know, taking it pretty slow at the beginning of the year and um, hopefully eventually building up to, you know, hopefully being able to go six, seven hundred pitches, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, It's been really cool to, you know, travel around the Northeast, play some ball and and just uh, see everything and, and be with some really good friends. So. Been awesome.
1: Is it frustrating at all to have the governors on? I mean, you're probably used to throwing a uh, hundred thirty pitches in, you know, in two thousand percent humidity on, on an SEC weekend where you got to get through Georgia and Florida and Arkansas and Alabama and everybody else. And now you got to, you know, you'd be on a pitch count, and you're probably feeling great, and you got to go sit down. Is that frustrating at all?
4: Um, it is, uh, but it's also, you know, it kind of shows that um, you know the Nationals care about my health and in the long term, which is also. Uh, pretty cool in itself so uh, it's kind of it's kind of a blessing and a curse
3: 22 year old cole henry here with us on bust and loose baseball so i want to go bigger picture so take off your cole henry hat and just put on your like baseball commissioner hat or something Mm -hmm. i uh, i do think and i get your situation right because you had some issues at lsu and then last year you got shut down so i totally get what they're doing but it is my nerdy sitting as a fat guy at home watching baseball belief that like when you only get to go three innings or four innings at a time, and then we get you to the big leagues and everyone's like, Well, this guy can't get deep into the game. Josiah Gray only goes five <laughs> innings or six innings. Like, it's our fault. Like we have groomed yeah. you to do this. And if you just went out max effort and you just got to throw seven innings at a time, you might actually do that more in the big leagues. Am I off, do you think?
4: Mm-hmm. Um, not not super. I mean, you know, there's guys out there, Max Scherzer and if you guys that are outliers like that, they can go out there every every five days and throw seven, eight, nine innings and be fine. But um, like they were honestly, brought I up
3: think- at a time, I bet you, Cole, when they were getting yep. to throw more innings in the minors, and they were like throwing seven innings to start in Double A. Whereas now it's like, look, I'm paying this dude a bunch of money, or he, you know, he told me he was feeling something once a year ago. So now it's like sixty five pitches and, and out.
4: Yeah, it honestly, um, it kind of seems like a new age of baseball where. You know, starters are only going four or five innings, but, um, you know, being really effective over those four or five innings and then usually you have a few guys in the bullpen you can turn the ball over to and they're going to be super effective as well over those last four innings of the game. So um, I think it's just kind of a new wave of what's going to happen. I think a lot of it is with the analytics and all that stuff, kind of the matchups. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it that people get paid a lot more money than I do to – to really think about it, but um, I just like to go out there and compete for however long they tell me to, and, you know, I'm going to keep throwing until the manager or whoever comes out there uh, takes the ball from me, so that's just my job is to make sure I give them all I have until they come out there and take it from me. Cole, are
1: are you a thinker? And what I mean is, are you one of those guys that just goes, just put a number down and I'll hit the spot with something nasty? Or do you want to be intimately involved in every single pitch and have like a, a, a debate? You know what I mean? There, I, I've seen guys who are kind of both ways. It kind of goes to that approach that we're talking about where the governor's on you and your best interests are, are in mind. Mm-hmm. Is it one of those things where, you know, Crash Davis style, you just put, you know, whatever finger the catcher puts down, or do you want to be, no, 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 this is what I want right here?
4: Uh, I think, you know, right now I'm pretty lucky. I got two pretty good catchers on my on my team, and um, you know they do a lot of uh, studying the hitters and and all that. They go over hitters with the pitching coaches, and so do we as um, as the pitching staff. But you know our catchers do a great job of scouting these guys before we play them, and uh, usually I'm on the same page as those guys. So I, I just like to see the see the sign go down, and then you know let's get after it, let's compete. So um, I'm not really much of a thinker out there. Once I start thinking, I think that's when. Things start going downhill, so I try to just uh, see what they put down, and let's go.
3: Cole Henry's rated the Nats number three prospect. Obviously, first-round pick Brady House, killing it in Fredericksburg this year. Cade Cavalli, who's closing in on being big league ready, was round one pick when he went round two at LSU, but this is a guy I I would buy some stock in if you're a Nats fan. Uh, Five starts into the year. You can't normally do this exercise, Danny, but I'm going to try it. Recall each of your four hits you've given up through five starts. Just remind like,
1: – <laughs> What you, the hell happened,
3: man? Well, and, and tell – like, do you have him in your head? Like, okay, that was a bloop shot to left from that one dude. Like, give me the four hits. All
4: right, so I think the first hit of the year was uh, was actually one of my friends, Connor Scott with the Pirates. Um, he was my roommate for, like, a Team USA thing in 2017, so – You can't
3: give up a hit to him. The roommate, yeah, I can't,
4: I can't give up a hit to one of my roommates. And, and he never one of my washed friends.
3: the dishes and – you know, yeah. he, he was loud yeah. that time when you were trying to get sleep. You just can't do that.
4: Exactly. Um, honestly, don't really remember the second hit too much. Might have been the same day. And then third hit, I think was. Oh man, um, you're testing me. But I know the hit yesterday was Adley Rutschman. So
3: that one, that one pretty was good trapped. company. Number one yeah, prospect not a bad in hit baseball, to give
4: up, I guess. But <laughs> going to be know, the best catcher in the up. big
3: leagues in like a month. <laughs> We'll give you that
4: one. Yep. Cool. Uh, what, what's
1: your best pitch right now, and how long has that been your best pitch?
4: Um, I think right now probably my fastball uh, just because, you know, I've always been able to command it how I want to and, um, you know, put it – I usually throw it high in the zone, so I get a lot of swings and misses on it. and uh, I, That's been my bread and butter since, you know, I started pitching when I was – you know, nine, ten years old. I've always had a pretty good arm, so I was able to blow it by most people. Um, but now it's getting a little tougher as I go up the ranks. I still get a lot of good swing and misses, but you know, a lot of it comes with from throwing my changeup and my curveball and getting guys off of my fastball, slowing down a little bit, and then I can go back up there with the fastball. So, uh, been been a learning experience, but you know, I think my fastball is definitely. Still, my best pitch, and it's going to continue to be.
1: So then, your your curveball. G- give me just to kind of two part here. Just break it down for me. How, how close to twelve six are you, and then are you pitching off of that fastball up in the zone to change eye levels, where guys mm-hmm. are now kind of you know bewildered and confused because one goes straight down, the other looks, looks like a hydroplaning.
4: Yeah. So <clears throat> um, you might have to get someone who's smarter than me to, to explain this to you, but I'll try <laughs> best I can. So uh, they say my fastball has really good ride to it and yep. it also has a lot of arm side run so i um, kind of getting like that up and out if I was throwing to like a left-handed hitter I'd like start it down the middle and it would end up outside and high so my curveball kind of mirrors that it's almost like a not really like a slider but kind of like a sweeper pitch so it's sort of 12-6 but just has a little bit of tilt to That's it kind of mirror my mirror my fastball a little bit and then my change up as well it's kind of Like my fastball, but obviously has more sink and is slower.
3: Cole Henry in the NAT system. So it doesn't sound like you're spending a lot of time on like baseball savant and fan graphs checking out (laughs) spin rate, huh?
4: Uh, Not too much. Yeah, I leave that to the guys that, you know, get paid to do it and uh, been doing it for probably longer than I have. I've I've always had a tough time trying to understand all that stuff. And usually, like I said, when I think, stuff starts going downhill. So I just try to go out there and let my, you know, let just be myself and let my stuff work for me and, you know, whatever it says on the track, man, and all that stuff, that's, and it's good. That's, that's great to hear. So I'll just try to keep doing myself and, and let them tell me what I need to fix or, you know, whatever it is.
3: How often do you hear, like you said, they tell me who is Uh they in that situation. And then aside from your actual coaching staff and your skipper, your pitching coach, whatever, how often are you hearing from one of the numbers guys, so to speak in the organization are they the ones passing you along that intel on, hey, your spin rate's doing this, maybe try this? Or is that actually like one of your field staff people that they've talked to who's now passing that to you as a conduit?
4: Um, it's it's kind of a team effort, I think. I think the the pitching staff or the pitching coordinator, um, you know, Sam Naren, the pitching coordinator, and then my pitching coach, Justin Lord, they kind of talk to the data and analytics guys and see, you know, which which pitches play best against you know what hitters and and which pitches are you know the the pitchers having the most success with so it's it's kind of like a team effort I would say um, but we are getting a lot better about using data and analytics um, on a daily basis and all that stuff so you know I think the Nats have really gotten pretty serious about the data and analytics side of the of things and. And they're actually having a pretty good mix of that stuff, but also like, you know, just playing baseball. Um, we're not trying to get too far into numbers and stuff like that just because it can get a little squirrely. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> we have a good mix and I think we're using it the right way. So it's, it's been really exciting to see that side of things and um, how everybody can benefit from it.
1: So it obviously hasn't happened much this year, as you've been just straight shadow filth. But in years past, yeah. you can you can remember a time when there was a meeting on the mound. Let's say there were, God forbid, a couple base runners happened against, against Cole Henry, right? Uh-huh. What kind of message do you want? Are you a somebody-tell-me-a-joke guy? Are you, you know, uh, give me one key? Like, what do you want to hear when somebody comes out to the mound? Because everybody's different.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on the situation. Um, if I'm struggling a little bit, I would love just, you know, one, yeah, one little key or one little tip, you know, Hey, you're, you're pulling off a little bit or, you know, keep your head on the catcher longer, whatever it is, just, just a little tip to get you back locked in. Um, But yeah, I mean, if it's a serious situation and and it seems like I can't calm myself down or something and somebody comes out there and tells a joke, might lighten the situation a little bit and just help me relax. But usually it's just, you know, they're going out there to give you a little breather, maybe uh, reestablish. Your plan for whatever hitters coming, just kind of explain the situation to you, what you want to do to this guy. And, you know, we believe in you, whatever. Let's get him. So,
3: all right. So, we'll talk something so, too
4: crazy I, out there.
3: I, I want to get into some of the fun of just minor league ball and traveling around and also get to know you a little bit here back after this conversation. Yeah. So, this will be our last baseball question, so to speak. But okay. I want you to give Nats fans the breakdown of your arsenal as if you are the analyst on MLB Network. So just velocities, pitches, and then like a, a graph, like a pie graph, if you will, of how often you throw those. Just to give us okay. a, a pretty detailed intel on you, as you know, a lot of people listening, love the Nats, haven't seen you throw yet.
4: Yeah. Um, so I have four pitches, uh, four seam, a four-seam, a two-seam, curveball, and a change-up. Um, I throw my four-seam most of the time, probably 75% of the time. Uh, it's usually 94, 96. Uh, if I'm a little more juiced up, it'll be, not, I'll touch 97, maybe 98, but usually in the 94, 96 range. Um, two seam, about the same, probably 93, 96. And then uh, change-ups, usually 87 to 88. And then curveball ball comes in around 79, 81. But, uh, yeah, I throw my fastball most of the time. Um, Change-up. I throw to right-handers and left-handers. Same thing with the curveball. They kind of all just kind of play off of each other, and I try to give them a healthy mix of them.
1: Big situation, big strikeout. Give me the, like, is it it Cole Henry demonstrative? Are you doing that kind of half-flex thing where your arms are all chiseled up and you're, like, kind of trying to do a nutcracker-type move in the middle with a let's go? Are you pumping a fist? Are you doing, like, a Mortal Kombat-type move? Walk me through it
4: uh i think for me i I'm not, i've never been one of those guys to really to really you know scream and yell after a big a big event but uh i usually like to you know just hit myself on the chest or i don't know i think i like to just i like i've been there before sort of mentality like you know what i do this all the time so
3: you know what i've noticed i've noticed on uh the video of like MLb pipeline or whatever when they post a the strikeout, you do, and I love this. It's like a super quick turnaround. Like I, kind of like a Steph Curry. I don't need to watch it go in. It's like yeah. as the batter's missing, he's already looking at second base.
4: Oh, I get steamed up. <laughs>
3: like is that oh, a thing, it. or was that just a couple times that I've seen that?
4: Uh, that's that's sort of a thing. You know, I I just try to add, like you know what it's it's just every day. So we're not really worried about it. We're just gonna walk around, get the ball back, and let's try to do it again. So it's
3: one of those like. What do you do in Harris is Harrisburg? I always try to say Harrisonburg or Harrisville, yeah. What do you do there? Is there a Chick Fil A? Like, what happens there?
4: There is a Chick Fil A. Um, That's good. I'm pretty, yeah. I'm a pretty regular customer there.
3: What's your order? At uh, Chick-fil-A? What's your go to?
4: Oh, go to order. It's uh, a chicken sandwich with pepper jack cheese. Yep. N- no pickles, and then we're gonna go twelve count nugget. Mm-hmm. Large fry and then a large Arnold Palmer. Oh,
1: Arnold Palmer. First, that's
4: outstanding. <laughs>
3: what a move! By the way, can I
4: get your what array
1: of dipping sauces? And do you vary it up or just go with
4: one? I Man, I just stick to the to the goated uh, Chick Fil A sauce. Yep. That's number one. What do you Eating have against pickles? Right there. Uh, you know, I don't mind pickles, but I just don't like them on my Chick Fil A sandwich. I, I think they just get you know warm and soggy, and I'm just not a not a warm. I like a crisp pickle.
3: Okay. Now, is Chick-fil-A the go-to, or is there something you frequent more often, like a Chipotle or something else? I
4: would say Chick-fil-A is probably my go-to. Um, if I can't really decide what I want to eat, it's just usually a safe bet to to use that order at Chick-fil-A. And, that's I'm, pretty, thing, and Danny, I'm pretty happy man after These minor towns
3: after games, restaurants aren't open. Like, dudes are just eating I know. whatever they can get their hands on, basically. What about in the in the clubhouse? I mean, are you guys just pb and J in it? Do, do they do a decent job for you in that regard?
4: No, they do. They do a great job. We've actually had some pretty good food this year, um, post game and even pre-game. Um, our nutritionist Emily, I think she runs basically the whole uh, minor league side of things, but um, she does a great job of picking picking good food and uh, good, pretty good uh, home wherever we are. She usually goes with like a local restaurant and they'll bring in some pretty pretty solid food. So can't complain there at all. Um, but usually it's up to us to grab something before the field. So. I usually try to hit like a diner or um, maybe Doordash, just some breakfast to the hotel before we leave. But yeah, after after games, we have pretty good spread.
1: That's awesome. Now playing travel summer ball, you know, in, in college summer league, different stuff in all the different places. The move was you pretend like you're super hungry post game, and what you're really doing is taking leftovers. So you don't have to buy breakfast the next morning. Do you yeah. do that? And do you have teammates that do that?
4: <laughs> so I don't, but. Um, it's actually funny you guys bring this up because my roommate, Evan Lee, um, he's probably one of the pickiest eaters I know. And it doesn't matter what we have for the spread after the game. He's going to come straight to the hotel and he's going to have a Papa John's pizza waiting on him at our hotel room door. <laughs> every game every or time? just when he throws? Every Every night. Not kidding you. That's every the night.
3: weirdest bit ever. He's
4: going to be so fat one day.
3: No, he's not because he's just a baseball <laughs> but player. But now
1: he's, now he's fine, but when he's my age, he'll be oh, a fatty. Well,
3: then he probably won't eat Papa John's every night. You know what I mean? Hey, he just does it um, now.
4: I'm not kidding you. He sticks to like the four main food groups. It's like Cracker Barrel, Papa John's, Chick-fil-A, Amazing. and Olive Garden. Those <laughs> are his four, his four. Olive Garden doesn't fit players. there. I
3: don't want to besmirch Olive Garden. But he's, he's th- let's make it three major food groups That's so funny. Wow, that's yeah, incredible. I'm pretty sense. sure, by the way, that name rings a bell. He's one of like the two guys on the staff on the 40-man, isn't he?
4: Yeah, he's on the 40-man just recently this year.
3: Yeah, that's, uh, that guy could get called up any minute and eat Papa John's. Pizza. What's he going to do for
0: food?
4: <laughs> oh, he's, he's probably getting Papa John's. He, I don't know what he got today. I, I could probably ask him.
3: Have you ever yeah. – I don't know if you're a single dude or not, so I don't want to get you in trouble. But have you ever uh, – have you ever seen any of your teammates do the ballogram? Do you know what that is? What is that? So the ballogram, I read it in a book that a minor leaguer wrote one time, where you uh-huh. write your number on a ball and you throw it to a girl, like from the dugout or, or the oh, bullpen yeah. or whatever. Have you ever seen that move?
4: I have. Um, he might he might get pretty pretty angry at me for for telling the story, but I think I'm just going to tell it anyway because it's pretty hilarious. Um, so I hope it's Evan year. Lee again.
3: it's this Evan guy, Lee, this guy's just meet me at Papa John's carryout. He's out. becoming a legend. He's like, let's go to Papa John's together. Have a nice little day.
4: So it's, it's not Evan Lee. It's, uh, it's Justin Connell, who's also on our team. Um, he was in Wilmington last year with me. And I, I believe we were in uh, – oh, gosh. I um, can't remember. Maybe uh, wherever the hot rods are. I can't remember the, the name of the city. But um, anyway, we're there. Right before a game, um, I think there's these two girls sitting in the outfield. He, he played, I think he was playing right field that night. There's two girls sitting out there. I mean, it's a college town we're in. So, I mean, there's just lots of people in college just coming to the games, or whatever, normal normal night. And he's like in the locker room before the game. And he's like, hey, I'm going to throw this ball to, to these girls up there. I'm like, all right, like, where is it? He's like, well, I got it right here. And he, he hands it to me and I read it. And it says uh, "you're gorgeous" on it, but <laughs> he he had used the wrong "your" wrong "your." He, yep. he, oh God! Yeah, he, he used the wrong "your," and he also did not spell "gorgeous" right at all. <laughs> 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 so I said. Connell and I love the effort, but I, I really don't think you should throw this ball to these to these females up there, man. <laughs> and so he, he ended up uh, redoing the ball and throwing it up. I, I don't know if he uh, I don't know if he scored one of their numbers, but yeah, it was it could have been bad. See, he got.
3: I think the move is you put your number on the ball, and then if they're interested yeah. now, had he have spelled it wrong, I think he just never gets a text. But man, yeah. I don't know what the guy looks like. Maybe he does. I don't know.
4: <laughs> yeah, I. I uh, I had to give him some some crap about it for sure. I was like, man, that's that's what you get for not going to college and just going straight into pro ball.
3: <laughs> oh, that's so funny. What's uh what's been the most <clears throat> fun ballpark or the best ballpark you played in?
4: In terms of the minors? Ooh. Um so I think the best one I've played at uh, this is pretty tough. Um, honestly I'll say Harrisburg's been pretty cool. Um Last year, we played in Greensboro, and that was a really cool ballpark. It was downtown, great crowd, uh, even, like, the apartment buildings next to the field had, like, people on their um, balconies, and, like, there was, like, a pool at the top of this one apartment building, and there was, like, a really big crowd, like, watching our game from the pool. Wrigley rooftops. So, yeah, it, I mean, it, it was it was really cool. Um, that's probably the, the best place we've been uh, crowd-wise, but. No, I think Harrisburg's actually a really, really cool stadium on the island right there in the middle of town. Um, just a unique experience, I think.
1: What's been the biggest adjustment going from playing? I mean, again, you played at such a high level at, at LSU, mm-hmm. but what's the biggest adjustment going from – those you know intense college weekends, you guys are getting thousands of people at your home games. What's been the biggest adjustment going from that to playing pro ball? Well, you're almost like an independent contractor moving up through a system. You still got teammates and everything, but it just feels different. What's been the biggest change for you?
4: Yeah, um, you know definitely the team environment. Uh, we we do have a pretty good like uh, team chemistry and stuff, but you know it's hard to beat in college when you're with those guys every day and a lot of them are your really good friends. So. Um, it's a lot different in that regard, but uh, I think the biggest change for me is the uh, whenever we're going to a place like a road trip, the uh, locker rooms are never as nice as I'm like expecting them to be. I guess um, so. I think that's the main like difference for me between playing in the SEC and then playing in the minor league ball is like most SEC stadiums are really nice and have like a nice area for you to put all your things in a pretty cool like visiting locker room, but Minor league, it's been, you know, minor league baseball. So uh, that's been a change. Just having to deal with pretty small spaces and a lot of guys in one room, but also not great training rooms and stuff like that. So that's been an adjustment. But you know, it's it is minor league baseball, so you can't really expect much. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a grind.
3: Cole Henry of the Nats in AA, working his way toward the big leagues. All right, end of the road here. So there's a couple things we'll do before the end of all of our interviews on the podcast. The first thing Mm -hmm. is Danny and I go rapid fire with little superlative type questions, fun little things to get to know you a little bit. So we put 60 seconds on the clock, and then we do that. And then we've got our producer, Darius, question. So he has sat here. He's listened to the entire interview. He's making everybody sound good. And he goes wherever he wants it. We have no idea where he's going to go, but the producer, Darius, question is going to wind things down. Uh, But let's go. 60 seconds on the clock, Danny. I'm going to start. Favorite movie?
4: Favorite movie? I would have to go The Revenant. What's
1: your eating contest food? Think you can eat more of than anybody else?
4: Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Amazing. That's a great answer. What an answer.
3: Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio (laughs) starred in The Revenant. Is that your one-seat actor or somebody else?
4: Yeah, I love Leo. Leo's probably one of my favorites. What's your grossest habit? My grossest habit? That you can say?
3: Uh, <laughs> that you can say, that you're comfortable that with people say.
4: hearing. Okay. uh, <laughs> That's a tough one. I don't really have gross habits. I consider myself a pretty clean person. Um, Can I pass?
3: Yeah, I yeah pass. You can pass. You can pass.
4: That's a lot. Okay. Uh, how about right. this? Right.
3: If you weren't a baseball player, you'd be doing what for a living?
4: Oh, uh, I'd probably try to play some hockey. Unexpected. Did you grow up playing hockey? I didn't, but I've 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 become a really big hockey fan uh, in the past couple of years, and I think that'd be uh, my secondary sport if I didn't play baseball. I think I would try to play some hockey.
3: All right, that's sixty seconds. You're off the clock. I think you're a Preds fan, right? Did I see that on Twitter?
4: Yes, I'm a Preds fan. All
3: right, I'm gonna get I'm gonna send you some cap stuff though. We're gonna make sure you you make this <laughs> a little transition.
4: defection, little defection
3: over to the greatest okay. goal scorer yeah. of all time, Alex Ovechkin and the that's, boys. That's uh,
4: fine. Our Preds are. Preds are not looking too good right now. So.
3: <laughs> well, caps aren't either necessarily uh, <laughs> based on losing Tom Wilson. All right, Producer Darius, you've been listening Here to we the proceedings. Go. Your question is the grand finale.
2: Cole, I cannot help but to notice that your Harrisburg Senator's picture, you feature quite the mustache. One, I have to ask, yep. do, you keep, do you still have that mustache? I do have it. And now, how do you keep it groomed? Do you take care of it personally, or do you allow uh, your barber to take care of it for you? I take care of it myself. Look at that! Look at that! Do you any, any product that you use? Do you do you have kind of the full beard thing going on now too? Because I'm a I'm a big uh, facial hair guy. I have a big full thick beard, thick, thick mustache. So uh, I, I'm always curious as to how you keep care of that.
4: Yeah, I uh, take care of it myself. Take a lot of pride in my mustache. Um, get a lot of compliments on it. So you got to keep it looking right. But uh, actually, so I'm usually a full beard guy. But the Nats have a few rules for minor leaguers. And one of those being we can't grow anything besides a mustache or a goatee. So Whoa.
2: I stick to my mustache. Yeah. The New York Yankees the, the, down there.
4: The rules are cool. I don't get why that's better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that's, what I, that's what I say, too. But, you know, rules are rules. You got to yeah. follow them. But, yeah, I, I haven't minded the mustache at all, so I can't really complain. We don't want any
1: beards, but you can look like a 70s pop singer or, you know, a 19, an 1880s town marshal.
3: Or, or a yeah. 1999 gym teacher. <laughs> yeah. Like with that goatee, I've always thought that maybe it's because I'm fat, but the goatee is just a well, terrible look. Well, it was a
1: baseball look. thing in the 90s, man. It was like like, like Bagwell and Biggio always yeah, had yeah. goatees, you know, before you were born, Cole.
3: I think of Craig oh, Biggio yeah. as having a goatee for sure. Well, Cole, this has been fun, man. We can't keep you any longer. you got a life to live. Thanks for the time. We appreciate you. And uh, keep dominating, man. Hopefully we'll see you at Nats Park real
4: soon. Yeah, I will. hope so, too. Appreciate you guys having me on, and y'all have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Cole. You too, bud. Yep, see you. Long
3: gone! Great conversation with Cole Henry. I told you, man. That's my dude. Fun. I love him.
1: I'm hoping that we see him at some point this year. Do you think we do?
3: Do you think we see him in the, in the major leagues this year, maybe September? If he is completely healthy all year, I do. Now, the Nats seem to be way more cautious and methodical, for lack of a better word, than I would be. I would be more aggressive with guys, especially this is a this year. I mean, September, what, what is September going to be? There's going to be 14 people there. Let him go out and test himself against big league competition. And more importantly, I've had a lot of conversations on my prospect show I do on MLB Network Radio about this. Guys get a lot out of being in the major leagues at the end of the year the lifestyle, learning how to travel, being on the road, getting comfortable, just knowing where the clubhouse is and who the attendants are, so that if he is up early next season and it is important that he plays well because you're a better team or you go out, God forbid, and you spend some money and you have a chance to compete, Like now all of a sudden he's more comfortable when he's making those starts. So I hope so. I think so. I, I can just tell you, for me, you start the year in double-A pitch the way he is. If he stays healthy all year, there's no reason you don't get an opportunity at the big leagues. When we're talking about this, it's it's the beginning of May. You still have June, July, August, and September. There's four months of baseball ahead. He should absolutely get a shot in the show at some point. Even if you want to limit the innings, which clearly they do, and just have him pitch out of the pen an inning at a time at the end of the season, it would be, to me, malpractice if he's healthy and throwing well, not to have that happen.
1: Yeah, the only way I could, well, let me, let me rephrase that. I could see them... Not doing it this year, just in terms of an innings limit, in terms of taking care. Because that's that's really been the biggest thing. Is He's had uh, an elbow issue, an upper arm stress reaction, I believe, in history. Um, there, there's been some stuff there where they want to make sure he can take the ball every fifth day. To me, the way he's throwing, of course you'd see him in the major leagues if all things were equal. The only thing they might say is we really want to limit the innings and do you year know, year out of spring training maybe
3: as a chance. But if they're taking their time, I could see it. But for the most part, you'd think he'd be up. I'm sure they do. It just as a general rule, we baby pitchers too much for me, for mm. my liking. Like, we're all like, Josiah Gray can only go five or six innings. It's because they only let him go five or six innings. And it's because at AAA, he was only allowed to do that. And at A he was only allowed to do that. We, we groom these players to do something and then get pissed at them when they do it in the majors. We don't allow guys to let their hair down and actually fight through it and Max or empty the tank in the sixth and seventh inning because we're so scared. And then they don't know how to do it in the majors. And we, we go, why can't they do it in the majors? So along those lines, if the guy is healthy and pitching well, I don't see how four or five of his innings being spent. And if you cap it, like let's say they just have a hard cap, fine. Then the last four innings or the last start he would make in the minors, you know, six innings, have that be six innings over three weeks in the majors. Let it be against
1: the Marlins in September 15th. Totally. All with you. All
3: right. um, Second podcast of every week coming out here. You guys uh, can get it as early as Wednesday nights. You can grab it all day Thursday, all day Friday. I always want to do some kind of fun little superlative, and then maybe you guys can debate with us. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Grant H. Paulson. That's funny, Danny, for me. Uh, Keep the conversation going there. Today, I wanted to do which national would you want to be stuck in an elevator with for three hours? So you get three hours, you get stuck in an elevator with a national, any national.
1: Who are you picking? So I tried to go off the beaten path here because I don't know this guy very well. Because remember, we haven't been in the clubhouse for three years, pretty much, because of COVID and all these other kinds of weird stuff. Well, it's our fault
3: now. We've had all all season. Well, you know what I mean. We we,
1: we knew the old roster of all these guys that won the World Series, and everyone knew us by name, and it's just a different time. So my guy is Riley Adams. A, he's huge. B, he's a backup catcher. So he sees so many things, right? So he's there basically now as almost... Borderline Patrick Corbin's personal catcher once a week.
3: Benefit you in this stuck elevator. It doesn't specifically doors open I'm just
1: kind of fascinated by by people that are that massive and and strong. And I just would kind of look at his muscles for a little bit and ask him about his muscles. would
3: Would you ask him to take off his shirt?
1: No, but if it happened, I wouldn't be upset. The point I'm trying to make here is that I feel like Riley Adams, second catcher, would be fascinating and really interesting. I'd like to get to know him. I bet he has like a cool way to open three beers at once.
3: I'm debating between Josiah Gray and Josh Bell. I think both are worldly, smart, well-read, opinionated. In a sh- Everyone has an opinion. Sure. Most people's opinions are stupid. They don't research them. They just have an opinion that they saw on Facebook or that they cooked up when they were 11 and they haven't really done any work on. We had Josiah Gray on the show recently. That dude is as sharp as a tack. Mm-hmm. And, and Josh Bell, the guy's got a book club, for God's sake. You don't think he could impart some wisdom? I, feel like I, he could. I would solve the world's problems with Josh Bell if I was stuck in an elevator. Now, Darius did just walk in from his um, when he told us to, to kiss. From his, his butt. "screw you, Grant and Danny" yeah, break. his kick wow. until the end of the world. That's the so, welcome back I get. Look at uh, that. Well, I mean, we're just we're just over here, just waiting for you, uh, stalling, trying to get you back in here. <laughs> we right.
1: stalled for the whole episode.
3: Yeah, that's all we did. We didn't even talk about the nats. We've literally just been saying Darius is going to be here any minute. Darius will be here soon. What Nat do you want to be stuck in an elevator with?
2: I, I think I would want to be stuck in the elevator with someone that's well traveled, would have a lot of stories to tell throughout their career in the MLB. And I think my person, my current Nat that I would do that with would be D Strange Gordon. I, I he's been all over the all over the league. He's I'm like pretty sure it. he has a lot to say. He's a very charismatic guy, so I'm pretty sure he has can crack some jokes. That will keep me uh, you know, entertained and and not worried about the elevator being stuck. <laughs> and on top of that, he's already had COVID this year. So, in a very small
3: place, you don't have oh, to worry about. That's correct. He was on the COVID IL. Right, right. So,
2: he's, he's 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 immunized, you right? Or something content. of that sort. I
3: think that's an Aaron Rodgers. I'm immunized. That's right. Immunized, or is it another word? That's what he Inoculated? said. Inoculated?
1: No, that's what Aaron Rodgers said. He said, I'm
3: immunized. Inoculated. No, but what's the real word? You're immune. Immune. He's immune. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. There it is. Boom. Uh, Yeah, and you don't even have to mask up in the elevator. So there you go.
2: These strange, Gordon?
3: Very cool. All right, we'll have to come up with a superlative for next week. Uh, You guys can send us some ideas at Grant H. Paulson at Funny Danny. People can get the podcast wherever. Please rate it with as many stars as possible. All the stars. Like we're an Uber driver who had a very good smelling car and gave you candy in the backseat.
1: Do you want some water? I have one for you. That's our
3: version of that. What if we gave out waters and candy? while people listen to the podcast. It'd be amazing. That would help us. I don't know how we would do that. It's a budget question there. Yeah.
2: I actually saw we already have some pretty lovely reviews on Apple no Podcasts. Yeah, there's already a couple of lovely reviews, so we thank you for for submitting those, and please submit more.
3: Can we shout out the people who gave us the reviews? Yeah, sure. So Keep one came from
2: a uh, skeptic. Uh, skeptic in the usa he oh, said he's
3: not that skeptical about the he's podcast. not that
2: skeptic no no and he said no one should forget that grant and danny's last podcast the dc quick pitch featured uh, the guys promoting more playing time for howie kendrick and grant uh talking about the virtues of some kid that was recently signed by the Nats by the name of juan soto
3: bam who how about goes it goes the dynamite how about it and, and then just, uh, just begging for more howie kendrick and then we got another, telling us to kiss their butt.
2: <laughs> then we got another five-star rating uh, from Kirk is the man. He says, this is the podcast for all Nats fans. Grant and Dave, funny bit, it's a good bit. love the Nats and bring the smartest conversation around. So we thank you guys for those reviews. Oh, Five God. stars. I had
3: to. I, $5 in the mail for that guy. Uh, so, yeah. So go review and rate, and maybe you'll get a shout-out on a future podcast. Uh, tell Cole Henry you love him on Twitter and that you heard him on the podcast. Give him some uh, – these minor leaguers, man. They're just sitting there on their phones just waiting for someone to say something. Those tonight. bus
1: rides don't get any shorter, man. <laughs>
3: no. So go tell him you're waiting for him in the show and you enjoyed him today. Thanks for listening to Boston Loose Baseball. Episode 3 will drop next Monday night like a football game with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck on the call. Thanks for being alongside and a part of this growing little family here. We're back at it next week.